Hard Feelings by Mark Coggins is a bang bang thrill ride, says best-selling author Seth Harwood, who adds that the lead character of Winnie is a female Jack Reacher. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 18 Winnie Reardon insisted on going back to his cabin to shower. Winnie did the best she could with a washcloth while she perched on the edge of the scaly bathtub. When he returned, she was waiting on the sofa with the lights down, nervous and harboring second thoughts. She ditched them quickly. They locked lips and fell prone on the sofa, rocking its wobbly legs one way and then the other, while they made out like a couple of hormone-soaked teenagers. To say Reardon was enthusiastic was putting it mildly, but he was also surprisingly gentle and considerate. He had some trick of kissing and lightly tugging her earlobes that she found especially pleasurable. Yet for all his enthusiasm, he seemed reluctant to take the obvious next step. Finally, she forced the issue by reaching for his belt buckle. Wait, he said. What's in it for you? She was too embarrassed to explain the complexities of her sexual response. There were actually circumstances under which she could come. So once again, Winnie took shelter behind a cutting remark. What makes you think any of the women you sleep with achieve orgasm? Reardon sat up, his face slack with hurt. Look, he said, I was only trying to be respectful of, of your situation. I don't need pity. He made an exasperated sound. And I don't need to hug a cactus. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. He shifted away and started to get off the couch. She knew she'd bungled it. All he really wanted was some reassurance that he wasn't being selfish. Wait, she said, and pulled him back so forcefully they knocked heads. I'm sorry. You're a wonderful kisser. And I'm sure you're a wonderful lover, too. I'm happy to continue as we were, but you've got a boner like a railroad spike. Since I was the one who asked you to spend the night, I thought I should follow through on the implied commitment. Reardon looked down at his lap and demurely crossed his arms over it. I played college ball, but I was never a very good base runner. Let's stick with first tonight. Are you sure? You've been taking a pretty good lead towards second. Just patting you down for other injuries. Very considerate, I'm sure. Winnie grabbed him by the back of his neck to pull him closer. They continued for well over an hour, and although she could have gone on all night, it was late and she had begun to feel a little selfish. The terms of engagement were clearly taking a toll on Reardon. When they finally managed to peel themselves apart, she felt flushed, content, and more upbeat than she had in months. Reardon, on the other hand, looked jittery and pale. Well, he said, I guess I'll go back to my cottage. She reached over to touch his face. No, I asked you to stay the night with me. But... 
don't say it. I won't feel you next to me, but I'll know you're there. He nodded. That would be nice. Fearing bedbugs are worse, she refused to sleep on the bed. They took spare blankets and pillows from the hallway closet and spread them out on the living room floor. She pulled off the dress she'd put on for him and slipped under the covers in her bra and panties. Reardon ducked into the bathroom before joining her and came out a few minutes later wearing only his boxers and a sheepish expression. Feel better? she asked. Officially, I don't know what you're talking about. But unofficially, yes. He turned off the light from the globeless chandelier and crawled in beside her to spoon. She reached back to pat his hip. Next time, we won't leave you to handle things on your own, she said. But it was wasted breath. He was already snoring softly in her ear. She woke with a start and a vague impression that a slamming door was to blame. She couldn't tell if the sound was real or dreamed. Judging from the pale light filtering through the front window, it was close to dawn. She disengaged herself from Reardon and stood up. She felt exposed. The tattered lace curtains in the window drooped like Spanish moss, providing spotty coverage at best. She crossed her arms over her chest and crept to the side to look out. There, idling in the hotel lot across the weedy park, was an ambulance. Exhaust billowed beneath it, and as she watched, it rolled toward the exit. Ambulances weren't exactly harbingers of health and good fortune, so its appearance was troubling enough. What was more troubling was the pair of figures jogging away from the place it had stopped. Both wore baggy gray sweats. Both jogged in a stumbling, herky-jerky gait, as if they were injured or had leg braces. They couldn't have been dressed more differently than the last time she saw them, but she recognized them immediately, Jasmine and Destiny from the brothel. They jogged together until they reached midfield. Jasmine veered left, and Destiny came straight at the cottage. She knew what it meant, and she knew it wasn't good. She dove back to where Reardon lay, shaking him roughly. Wake up, she hissed. We're in trouble. Reardon mumbled something and tried to push her away. She slipped past his defenses to slap his face and then yanked off the covers. Come on, she yelled. Get up. He was too slow. She took hold of his arm and uprooted him from the floor. What's going on? he demanded, awake enough now to be angry. We need to get away from the door. She drove him toward the bedroom, but Destiny was close behind. Winnie heard sharp footsteps on the treadboards of the stairs, then deeper ones on the long planks of the porch. A booted foot came smashing through the sash window, rattling it in its frame and spraying glass across the floor. The last thing she saw before slamming the bedroom door shut was Destiny thrusting her head through the window heedless of the sharp edges. Her eyes had the look of a disbelieving and completely horrified spectator. Winnie punched the flimsy button lock on the door. Try to block it. I'll see if we can get out through the bathroom. Was that destiny? Yes. She's on a suicide run. Come on. Reardon didn't need any more convincing. He denuded the bed and dragged the mattress across the door. 
She ducked into the bathroom. Last night, she'd hardly glanced at the window above the toilet, but now she saw it was hopeless. It was too small for either of them to fit through, and it was firmly painted shut besides. When she returned, Reardon had the mattress and the box springs against the door and was shoving the dresser behind them. He looked over at her, and she shook her head. No go. Come on, then, he said. The bathtub. It was his turn to manhandle her. He bulldozed her back into the bathroom and slammed the door shut. He shoved her face down into the tub and dove on top of her. He'd no sooner reached to take her outstretched hands when a crumping explosion shook the cottage to its foundation. Toiletries fell from the sink and plaster rained from the ceiling. With her cheek mashed into the chain of the drain plug, she whispered, Is that it? I don't know, he whispered back. It seemed to... The bathroom door blew open with a tremendous roar. Winnie and Reardon were slammed against the tub as the floor, walls, and ceiling convulsed around them. You have been listening to No Hard Feelings, a finalist for the Forward Reviews Book of the Year Award. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Thank you.